Take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Acts. Turn to the book of Acts, chapter 4. We're teaching this series on a soothing aroma to the Lord. And the soothing aroma is as we learn more about how to really offer to God, how to really, how we, how we should be offering to God. And um, I'm not going to mention any names, uh, but someone um, I spoke with last week, they mentioned that um, they enjoy the fact that I didn't mention any money or anything last week. And it's not, it's not about money, okay? It's not about money. And so uh, if you're a visitor here today, uh, and you showed up for church, and you're going to hear about offerings and stuff. Don't think the pastor preaches on money every week, but uh, it is it is a situation where we have an offering to give to God, and the soothing aroma as we learn more and more about how we should present ourselves to God and how we should present our offerings to God. It's important. So in Acts chapter four, go to verse thirty-two, and we're going to pray. Father, today is your day, as is every day. And we have the opportunity today, Lord God, to hear your word and apply your word. So, Lord, I pray this day that every hindrance, every distraction, anything that may get in your way, that, Lord God, it be removed and that the hearts are prepared to hear what you have provided for them. Lord God, I ask for clarity of speech. I ask, Lord God, that you would be honored. And I ask, Lord God, that you do the speaking, that you become, you become the mouthpiece, you become everything, Lord God, in delivering your word to your people. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm here to tell you today, and God's here to tell you today, that when giving is right, when, when the church is in the right state of giving, God is in the middle of it. Okay? When the church is in the right state of giving, God is in the middle of it. That means that when we are all unified in one voice and one thought process and one mission and everything, God will be in the middle of it. And when God is in the middle of it, that, that means that the power of his Holy Spirit is working through us. That means the power of his Holy Spirit is working through us. And in verse 32, let's begin reading. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property. In other words, they said, this is not mine. God provided it. God provided it. He made a way. He made a path so I could have this. And it's not about you. And I told you before, it's not about you giving away all your property. It's not about that. This is a a heart condition and a statement to the body of Christ, those who are believers, that, listen, as we get into this new generation of the church, as, as we are the church, 
We're going to be the church. It's not that we're replacing anything in the old. It's not that we're kicking out anything of the old. But, y'all, our mindset has to be different. And one thing that God enjoys, one thing that God enjoys is when we're singing and we're offering and we're giving and we're loving and we're doing all this stuff. That is a refreshing statement to him that says, wow, these folks are getting on point. They're getting it figured out. I'm not going to stand up here and, 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 you know, if you think this soothing aroma, this offering series is going to be about the pastor preaching to you about how much you should give every week, you're on the wrong message. Okay? Because before anyone can give, their heart has to be right. Their heart has to be in the right place. Jesus Christ, he gave ultimately. The ultimate sacrifice. There's no other sacrifice that will be greater. There's no other sacrifice that will that will replace it. There's no other sacrifice that will ever even compare to it. So in all your giving and all this thing that you're trying to do, please keep in mind. You can't outgive God. You can't outlove God. Okay, I know these are old statements and they've probably been recorded a hundred times. And you can't improve on what God has done. His form of giving is unique to him. But he did bestow upon us a process in which we should follow. And part of that is, is first off, look at verse 32 again. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. One heart and soul. What does that mean? That means that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit of God. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And then the actions of the Holy Spirit of God is going to lead this one heart, this one soul, those that are in the same unit. Guess what? It's going to lead them in the same direction. Not necessarily serving the same way, but the same direction. Okay? Everybody who gets on I-20 and heads east, they're not necessarily going to get off at Pell City where I live. But we're all in one heart, okay? We're all in one mind that we all need to be going in the same direction if we're in the eastbound lane, right? If someone up and decides, nah, I'm going to drive west in the eastbound lane. He's not in, he's not in, or she's not in their right mind, right? They're not in agreement with the rest of the traffic that's going eastbound in the eastbound lane. But here we have the body of believers that's assembled, the church. <coughs> Excuse me. I still got your water, Luke. Didn't nobody drink this while I was out, did they? Okay, good. <laughs> and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. Not anyone had the idea. All of a sudden, this is mine, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. That all went away. That all went away. And it all became a different attitude and a different approach. And, and look at this. God was pleased because look what happened in verse 33. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And abundant grace was upon them all. See, what happened was when they got the right mindset and the right heart and they got into one accord, God showed up and said, no, nah, I like being part of this. 
Now, this, this is the house. This is the house of God right here. This is, this is worship. When, when the choir's up here singing and, and the congregation's out here singing, guess what? God's like, I like this. I want to be, I'm going to be in the middle of it. And when we can sing, we can sing, he has made me glad and have a little pep in our step and a little foot patting. We can have that, right? And then we can cry out uh, to the Lord, shout to the Lord. And then we can also cry out through Christ alone. And I come through the door. And the, I'm telling you, when heart is, the heart is in it, Joel stops me. I'm calling you out, Joel. He stops me. I'm walking around because I've got this big cheesy grin on my face. I'm just happy to see everyone. And he stops me. He says, look at this. And I stop and look. I was already happy because I could hear it. But I stop and look. And man, wow. I said, the church is full and the choir is full and, and God's pleased. God's pleased. A soothing aroma is starting to go up to God. And he's hovering over Sulphur Springs Baptist Church, and his spirit is in the middle of it, and he's enjoying what he's seeing. He's enjoying what he's hearing. He's enjoying the hearts of the people that are putting away bitterness, putting away frustration, putting away everything that's not of him. He's enjoying, he's enjoying that presence and guess what happens when that when it happens with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and abundant abundant grace was upon them all in other words this church could fill up with another hundred people and guess what there'll be enough of the spirit for every last one of them when they fill up when the church fills up with the people that are still of one mind one heart one soul okay so now, so keep this in mind. When, 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 when the heart is right and, and, and everything, when giving is right, God's going to be a part of it. And he's going he's to direct you. He's going to guide you. He's going to lead you. He's going to stir your heart to do the right thing. Now, let's keep going. Look at verse 34. For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sale. Now, look at this. It's not saying they sold everything, but they had something. And they took it and they sold it, and they would bring the proceeds of the sale. But look how the scripture starts out. For there was not a needy person among them. In other words, the church was in one heart and one soul to determine to help their fellow man. It wasn't about filling the church coffers so you could pay the pastor. It wasn't about filling the church coffers so that I could have a parsonage up on a hill. It wasn't about filling the church coffers about anything else. It wasn't a needy person. The church had the mind to help the people. I sit here and I think about it. Think about how we can get in the middle, we can get so possessive of our things, we can get so possessive of what we think we ought to have and the way things we think things ought to be, both financially and physically, that we forget about the needy people that are among us. You see what I'm saying? 
You see, the church needs to be in a state of offering and giving where the offering and giving is not focused on what I can get, but is what I'm giving and why I'm giving it. You see, and when he says in verse 30, 34, for there was not a needy person among them. There was not a needy person because everyone was saying, hey, I'm looking. The church was actively walking through the congregation. The people were listening to the Holy Spirit and they were seeing the need of the people. And they said, hey, you don't have to come ask me. I'm coming and bringing it to you. God is pleased with that. Because, you see, that's the way the offering of his son, Jesus Christ, went. I told you before, and I'll tell you again, there's not one person in here or one person that's ever lived that came, knocked on the gates of heaven and said, God, we're dying down here. Will you send us a savior? He didn't respond and react and, and based on our actions to him. He responded because of who he was he and who he is. He is God, and he saw our plight and took it on his own initiative to say, they need saving. They need help. I'm going to send it. Don't ask me for it. I'm going to give it to you anyway. Yes, thank you, Jehovah, because he saved us without us asking. And this was the mindset of the people. For there was not a needy person among them. The Holy Spirit of God was working so deep in the congregation that they looked at each other and said, well, so-and-so needs something. I got this. I'm going to sell it and go give it to them. I've got this, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to do this. Don't think they still didn't have a home to go to. They had a home to go to. But they saw a need, and they met it. And that's a soothing aroma to God. Take your Bible. Turn to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. James chapter 2. You see, the church, the body of believers was living this scripture out. James chapter 2 and go to verse 14. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? You see, keep in mind what the body, what what Israel had been seeing, what the nations had been seeing. They've been seeing a bunch of religious, pious people walking around, acting holier than thou, like they were better than everybody else. That's all they see. That wasn't going out and giving to nobody, but they were constantly taking. They were taken from the widows. They were taken from the poor. They were filling their coffers. They had the fanciest clothes. They had the biggest hats. They had the widest phylacteries. They had the best education. And they got all of that by sucking everybody else dry. They weren't giving. They weren't caring about your sake. You need to meet my need, not that I need to meet yours. And James is saying, what is it? What use is it, my brethren, if someone says, now see, keep in mind, this is complete implication that you can say you ha- you're saved all day long. And them religious folks, them Pharisees and them Sadducees and those church folks that, that, that you know, wear the big hats and, and sit there and hum and rock and hymn and, and, and shout and throw the Bibles in church every Sunday, whatever they want to do. Don't you harumph you all day long. Thank you, brother. I needed one of those. You can say and play religion all day long. What good is it? Because there were still people that were in need while your coffers were being filled. 
And he says this, and they have faith, but no work, but has no works. Can that faith save him? You see, at this day and age, at that time, people were foolish enough to believe. And, and, and these religious leaders were teaching the wealthier and more status you had, the closer you were to God. It was proof that God liked me better than he liked you. That's what they're thinking. That's what they were teaching. God has more favor on me. Even Job's friends, because Job was losing everything, they assumed Job had done something to drive a wedge between him and God, did they not? Well, well, Job, if you wasn't doing this and weren't like this and weren't doing this and weren't doing that, you wouldn't have, you need to repent, repent, brother. Wait a minute. That had nothing to do with it. Look at verse 15. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of them said, one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled. <laughs> Goest thouest way, and I shall layest down prayers for thee that thou might find some humble way to get clothing and food for thy belly. If you do that, and yet you do not give him what, give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? What good does it do me when you're sitting on the side of the road and you're out of gas? Let me pray for some gas. But I'm going right now to the barrel of crackers. <laughs> and on my way, I shall pray that you have gas in abundance. <laughs> I should never talk about that, should I? <laughs> Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. Go back to Acts chapter 2. You see, guess what the believers had? They were called real believers, and God was in the midst of them because they believed and they acted on what they believed. And no one had need among them. They weren't just sitting around praying up, trying to pray up stuff. They said, guess what's got to happen? Joseph, you go get a wrench. I'm going over to get my truck. We're going to pull him out the ditch first. Once we get him out this ditch, I need you to get that wrench on there and tighten up them wheels so he won't be running off the road no more. Let's get him going on the road where he needs to be. And that's what they did. They didn't care about what other people thought. I ain't going to share Mike Roper's story he shared this morning in the <laughs> I won't share that. But Mike didn't care about the person that he had picked up. He didn't care about the person he picked up. A lot of y'all who've been here at least 100 years know what the story is about. He just picked up. He saw someone in need, and he picked them up. And he went around about it the right way. I got to tell it now because everybody's sitting there going, what's going on? He couldn't help. He didn't know. Mike Roper's driving down the road. Little Mike, not big Mike. Miss D would have had his head if he had done that. Little Mike's driving down the road. It's pouring down rain. There's a woman walking down the road. He's a brother in Christ. He's, he's a caring, compassionate person. 
and he's he's a sing, he's a married man in a truck by himself. And he sees this woman struggling. He goes and he does what's right. He picks up his sister to go back so he can get the woman out of the ring. Not only does he do that, but he even gives her some money to help her along her way to get her car fixed. Then on the way back, his sister decides to tell him, you know who that was, don't you? Mike says, no, I just was doing my thing. He said, that was a prostitute. <laughs> She's usually on the other side of the town. Now, most good Christian folks would say, but you did the right thing, brother, and I appreciate it. Not a roper. <laughs> they pull out at the church. His sister hops out. Hey, guess what? Mike just picked up a prostitute over down the road. And gave us some money, too. <laughs> Here's the whole point, though. His heart was right, wasn't it? Praise God. That's what the believers were sharing. That's the kind of spirit the believers had was that there was no. And guess what? Mike didn't care that it was a prostitute. What he did do, though, was pleasing to God, and it was a soothing aroma to God. Because God didn't care when you was a prostitute. He helped you. God didn't care when you was a liar. He stepped out, didn't he? God didn't care when you were a thief. God didn't care when you were a gossiper. And you know what? That's the good thing about God. He don't care who sees you with him. As long as they see him in you. And the proof of that was the sharing among the believers. I imagine the bankers in this day, man, you're selling a lot of land and get what are, what are you doing with all the money? You building a new building? You guys got something else going on? What's going on? Can we invest in it? No, I'm just, no, God's just working with me. I can see the humility in their lives. It ain't mine, it's God's. It ain't mine, it's God's. Now, I know a lot of y'all are thinking, Brother David, y'all said it before, then that means that Mustang ain't yours. It's God. It's God's. You're right, and he ain't led me to give it to none of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so there that is. I'm just putting that out there now. So you know. But look what they did after that. Now, there was not a needy person among them. They put some words to their faith. And then in verse 35, and then the proceeds of the sales, look, and they and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they, look at it, they would be distributed to each as any had need. Wow. They brought it in. Remember, bring it into the storehouse? They brought it in. But what didn't happen was, now I ain't saying we're going to stop, but the apostles didn't come and say, Please, sir, can I have some more? Please. There wasn't none of that going on, was it? Wasn't none of that going on. They came in. They came in humble that they even had it. And they came in, and they slid in. And guess what? Woo! 
Praise God. Here's some more to give away. Woo! Praise God. Here's here's some more to give away. Woo! Praise God. That was the heart of the people and the mindset of the people. It wasn't an inconvenience. It wasn't wasn't, uh, an extra thing they had to do. It was a willing thing, and God enjoyed the aroma that it produced. Now, and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. Now, I'm going to help all of y'all out that are struggling with this Old Testament, New Testament type giving type thing. Well, tithing was in the Old Testament. Offerings were in the Old Testament. Yes, 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 yes. Like I told y'all before, not bringing the bull in here and try to keep it standing upright while I slit his throat. And drop, you know, and y'all can't. I'm not doing that right. Because guess what would happen if I do that? There would be nobody here but me and that bull. <laughs> and chances are that, that bull is going to be bigger than me. And then he's going to say, hey, y'all, your friend's gone. You're going to cut my throat now? <laughs> Watch what happens. I got a horn for you, buddy. Son, be quiet. <laughs> That's my son. You have to forgive him. He ain't sat on the front row in a long time. (laughs) Verse 36 says this. Now Joseph, and I want you to look at what the scripture does specifically here, a Levite. Now Joseph, a Levite. In other words, he's part of the priestly tribe. Joseph. And guess who, who, who handled the offerings in the Old Testament? The Levites. Now, Joseph, a Levite, look what he did. Of Cyprinian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translates means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So now we have a Levite of the high priestly tribe who would have known how to do the proper offering. Guess what he's doing? Guess what he's doing? Woo! He's saying, y'all, this is how we do it. This is how we do it. Given from the heart. In other words, even from the tribe of Levi, it had approval on how you should give and how you should be, and how you should provide an offering to God. He's not saying he took away anything else, but what it is saying is a Levite came out of the woodwork, which is Barnabas, who's no small person here, and came up as representation of the tribe of Levi and said, here you go. No sacrifices. No, 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 none of that. None of that was happening. He just came and he gave because guess what? He was a believer like the rest of them. He was a believer like the rest of them. And so all of their offering, everything that they were doing, everything that they were saying, everything that they were giving, it lined up with what the Holy Spirit of God had designed to do. And that was, you're going to have the freedom 
You're going to have the freedom to be generous now. See, before you, you, you had to do it. You had to do it. You had to do it. But now, Don, hold on to your seat. You get to do it. You get to do it. You get to do it. That's the difference. You get to be generous. You don't have to be. You get to be. Anybody understand that difference? Does everyone understand that difference? You get it. You, it's, I'm not coming in here under compulsion, and I'm not going to sit here and shake you down and tell you, hey, guess what? Guess what? You better come in here. I ain't, look, I'm not going to grab you by your ankles and shake you until this plate is full. That would be kind of funny, wouldn't it? Have a, little, have a little vibrating floor down there, and you walk into the church, you just shake you real hard until everything fall out, and we catch it, have a little funnel down there where it catches everything. Like, wow, everybody had a good week. No, guess what happens? You get to come in. You get to come in and say, Brother Damon, guess what, I, guess what I've got? I've got this skill. I've got this hammer. I've got this that I can go and I can do with. And I'm laying it right here for God's use. Brother David, I hear you going to Kentucky. I hear you going to Guatemala. You got a team going to there and there and everywhere. You got shoeboxes. I hear all of that. Here. Well, first off, I'm not God, so you're not giving it to me. Right? But here's the thing. It is a free thing to do. And the key here is it's so free that you are even allowed the right mindset to do it in. You hear what I'm saying? God puts in you the Holy Spirit to give you the right mindset to do it in. And now it, it, it's, it's in a position, you're in a position where you can have the right mindset about it and be in one accord, or you can do what? You can have a bad attitude about it. When we get to 2 Corinthians in two weeks, you'll hear it, or you can be miserable about it. But you have to understand, the Holy Spirit, when it indwells in you, it gives you that mindset, and it gives you that attitude. Guess what doesn't give you that attitude? Satan, who gets in the middle of your life and tells you, ah, you better take care of you and yours and leave the rest of them folks alone. You got yours, you get, let them get their own. What if Jesus said that? God, what you sending me down there for? I'm up here in heaven. Let them find their own way up here. Guess where all of us would be? Lost? In hell? Where else? In hell? Where else? In hell! Because, guess what? Even though it's all God's, he wanted to give it. Even though it's all God's, he wanted to give it. And then in chapter 5, verse 1, 
is where the wheels come off. But a man named Ananias, along with his wife, Sapphira, but a man named Ananias, along with his wife. You see, this is another one of those scripture readings where you need to put your finger over the five and continue to read chapter 4, verse 32, all the way through. And then you see that that word but negated the work of the Holy Spirit that was going on in chapter 4, verse 32 through 37. And it says this. So let's put our finger over the five. Everybody take your index thing and put it over the five. And let's start at chapter 4, verse 36. Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which was translated means son of encouragement, who owned a tract of land, sold it and brought it, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias, with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property and kept back some of the prize for himself with his wife's full knowledge. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. Stop. There's two things there. I know we're going to get into the line, not today, but we're going to get into the line to the Holy Spirit. But there's something else that, imp- that was important here. Ananias and Sapphira were given hypocritical. So much so that they even mimicked what the other people in in their genuine hearts were doing. All the believers came and laid it at their feet. To look right before man, like they were genuinely doing what they were supposed to do, they came and they laid it at the apostles' feet. In full hypocrisy, full mode in front of the entire church and not only even in front of the entire church, but in front of God himself with the Holy Spirit indwelling right where they were. Man, do you see what they did? My wife and I and our children, y'all are staring at me intently. Am I making sense or am I? Okay, I'm just looking. I'm going to make sure there wasn't nothing hanging out my nose or nothing. Okay, good. My wife and I and our children, we attended churches before. Where everybody came up and gave their offering. And then they walked and they came up and they gave their offering. You had lines where there were different things you gave. Now, we weren't actually in this church. We knew people that were at li- in lines where you had different dollar denominations of bins. You had the $100 line, which everyone wanted to be seen in the $100 line. And then you had the $5 line, which nobody wanted to be seen in the $5 line. You got to keep in mind. Even in the Old Testament, even when Jesus was standing in the temple and the rich were coming and they were giving, go to Luke chapter 21. Go to Luke chapter 21.
in verse 1. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins, about an eighth of a cent, y'all, about an eighth of a penny. And he said, truly, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them. For, out of their, for, for they all, out of their surplus, put in to the offering. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Her heart was attesting to who she was. See, you got to keep in mind during this time when they would make these offerings, there was 13 funnel-like jugs in the, in, in the building. And they all had a different purpose. And people would be seen going and putting their money into those different purposes. But this woman who didn't care about being seen only cared about God knowing and giving. And she knew she only had two pennies, two less than two pennies, yet she gave it. The believers in Acts chapter 2 knew, I have this and I'm going to give it. Ananias and Sapphira had the complete right to say we're only going to give a part of this. But they made it look as though they were giving all of what they got. And that's the problem. So the Holy Spirit of God, when he's working, when he's working right, right, like right now, and we're about to receive our offering. Ushers, go ahead and get ready. When the Holy Spirit of God is working, what you put in here, let me just tell you right now, what you put in here, and I got to check here myself. At the end of the day, this is between you and God. I want everybody to get that. This is between you and God. It is nobody's business what God has directed you to do. Okay? Get that clear. And this offering, and this is just part of what's coming. I mean, I know we use it for tax write-offs and all this other stuff. You can do that if you want to, but let me tell you what. This comes from the heart to God. From the heart to God. If this goes in here with you thinking you got another dollar amount to take off your taxes this coming year, take it back Until you get it right with God. I don't care what you give. Here or back there in that mission room. As long as you understand why you do it. That's why. That's why we do what we do. I don't, listen to me. I don't need to prove to anyone in this church that I'm giving. If I'm not, God will let me know. You hear me? Now, some of y'all want to make sure, hey, is the pastor giving? Is he giving? Okay, yeah, here's my check. Right here, I'm giving. <laughs> but if you're a spiritual leader or whatever you are, if you're not even a spiritual leader, you don't owe anyone, no one, nothing. You only owe God what he has required of you. Do you get that? 
So I know a lot of people don't want to talk about money and all this other stuff. Listen, it's a day. It's part of our daily life. We got to have it to live, right? Okay, get that. But we don't need it controlling us to the point where we judge a person because whether they're doing it or not. You get it? God didn't design it that way. He didn't design it that way. Because let me tell you something. If there's only $3 on this check, do you know what God can do with that $3? A lot more than this church could do with $300,000. Get it? Understand that right now. Okay? See, I'm living proof right now. I'm living proof right now, this very moment, where, and some of you heard it, some of you not, where God brought me from a job making $88,000 a year to a job making $22,000 a year. And let me tell you something, I didn't get any leaner during that time. I never had to walk to work, and the lights were never off. And them jokers right there stayed pumped too. Well, Jonathan, he's just now getting pumped. You're married life. You know what that does to you. But anyway, the whole point, the whole point is this, y'all. As they come, when they get ready, and you get ready to do that, you need to make sure you're not hypocritical about it. Nowhere in this scripture, in Acts chapter 2, did it say they gave and then asked God for something back. You give to God, he'll give it back to you. That's God's discretion. Nowhere in this scripture where you come and you offer your time and your services and your knowledge and all that stuff, and God is going, whew, oh, I love you. I'm not telling you you don't have to give money. I'm not telling you that. What I'm telling you is, though, when that offering comes, God loves it. He loves it. Because maybe you don't have the one-eighth of a penny to give right now. Maybe you don't. And it's all right if God knows that your heart is telling you, hey, God, I'm giving whatever I have. Here it is. Here's, here's my coat. Take it. And then you're taking it and you're giving it to someone who needs it. You had eye surgery. Never mind. He don't need glasses. <laughs> Brother Roy needs these glasses. So get it together. Don't, don't walk me out of this church because you think I'm preaching about money. I'm not. And even if I were, it's in the Bible. But I want you to get the offering. Ananias and Sapphira were hypocrites. With whatever you're giving God, don't be a hypocrite. Be in one accord. Did I confuse anyone? Anyone confused? Anyone frustrated? The ushers are going to come. Come on, gentlemen. Y'all remember what we did last week, right? So why are there only four of you? Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. What's going to happen? You're all here now. Thank you. Those of you who are visiting, I'm very informal. It's about getting it right, not just getting it done. Okay? 
That's what it's about. This service, these morning services, I don't care if people are like, you don't preach that on a Sunday morning. You've got visitors there. Well, guess what the visitors need to hear? The exact same thing the ones that ain't visitors. It's still the word of God. My goodness, everybody's trying to be a certain way. That's the hypocrisy of the church right there. Don't let them know you have any problems. Don't preach about that little scuttlebutt that happened out there in the parking lot when sister so-and-so was pulling so-and-so's hair. We get in a scuttlebutt. You know what? Oh, goodness. Come on. I didn't say anything weird. <laughs> we always act like we are trying to put on air. But you know what? We are real flawed human beings right now that are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. You're going to see my dirty underwear just like I'm going to see your skeletons in your closet, okay? You better know I got stuff. <laughs> okay? I love y'all. Thank you. So y'all go ahead and take your offerings and go where you need to take your. We're going we're gonna to pray after we get on. Don't start. Just go in position. Don't start. Don't start. Don't start. Yeah. <laughs> now, I need you to understand something. We laugh and we have fun. And God enjoys that. Okay? So get what's going on right now. And when you get ready to do that, understand what your mindset and your heart has to be, okay? And before we start, I'm going to read off our list of names. Because we've got to be sincere about our prayer list too, don't we? He wants to hear our petitions. He wants to hear that. And this is part of it. Miss Nita Chastain. Betty Northworthy. And we can actually take Brother Roy Hornsby off the list. No cane or nothing. He's good. Praise God. Adam, Lauren, Kaysen, and Zayden. Y'all good? We'll leave you on there. May Isbell. Gene Roper. Jim Sims can come off, Cindy. Gene Roper. Ed Roper. Miss Shirley, you're doing better, aren't you? Okay. Connie Lineman, she's still on the men. Sam Grace, Mario Abdullah, Johnny Bice, Sandra Bice, Aaron Stone, Gwen Stone, Charles Holderfield, Ronnie Isbell, Butch Reader, Ann Reader, Betty Young. Edwin Young and Deanna Young, they can come off, right? They can come off. Miss Pam Goodson. Miss Cat's doing well. We're going to leave you on there a little longer, okay? Gracie Poole. Jared Monday. Patsy Williams. Gay Ann Ellsworth. Larry Kirkpatrick. Kathy Sellers. Caleb LeFang. Riley Eccles. Mr. Charles Bailey, are you good to go now, aren't you? You can come off. Virginia Smith. Miss Pat Sims finds out this week if her name comes off. Keith Moore. Jimmy Maddox. Brawley and Becky as well. 
we pray. You should have a list. This list should stay with you as you pray. Father, this day we thank you and we glorify you. We lift you up. And we ask, Lord God, for your healing for those who have been called out and those who are unspoken. We ask, Lord God, that you bless this offering that we're about to, you're about to receive. We ask, Lord God, that each person that gives, that you, Lord God, that they give it to you with sincerity of heart, knowing that we could never repay what you've done, but knowing that the giving comes from those who are in one heart, in one mind, one soul. So help us, Lord God. Help us to give of what you've given us. Help us to use what you have given us for your purpose. Help us, Lord God, to understand the need of our brothers and sisters in Christ and the need of those who are lost, Lord God. They desperately need to come to a saving grace. So, Lord God, as we receive this and we we bring it back to you. For it is given to you, Lord God, from a grateful people who love you, who thank you for saving them. And Lord God, we pray as each person gives, as each person offers, that this offering give you all the praise, honor, and glory. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.